It's good to see everybody out this morning. It's good to see people back. We've had a nice uh, week of uh, cold weather and snow and plenty of it. And uh, we're thankful that you were he- are here today. Wednesday night we had eight. I felt like Noah with all the animals. <coughs> there was eight of us here that night, so uh, we're glad that uh, we're back to, to normal. Good, good, got a good crowd today. When we talk about kindness, I think that most of us in our own mind have a definition of what we think about. We think about what kindness is. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the person up here, a little kid that's offering the apple to her friend. And sometimes that happens, and we understand that Jesus was a person who showed kindness in every aspect of his life. We can see as he dealt with individuals that he showed kindness. The rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, Jesus extended kindness to him, dealt with him in a kind way. The woman that was taken in adultery in John chapter 8, we see that the people that brought her, they didn't care about her soul, but the kindness that Jesus showed to her, and even to those individuals that had brought her, showed that He had kindness in His life. And we can look at many different other, many other examples of Jesus in His life extending kindness and showing it not only in the words that He said, but in healing people. That there were events where He extended His healing power and used that to heal people. Like the individual that was lowered through the roof. He showed His kindness to that individual. There are many examples in Jesus' life that we need to follow. And I talked about it the last few weeks and I've been mentioning it from week to week. The question is, are we following the real Jesus? Because in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus tells us that if we, if we want to be His disciple, that we have to deny ourselves, take up His cross, or take up our cross, and follow Him. And so we follow Him in doing the things that He did, allowing His life to be seen in our life. And so when Jesus says follow Him, that means that we're going to do the things that He wants us to do. And one of those things is to be kind. To show kindness to the people that are around us. But the question is, what do we do when it's hard? What do we do in a situation where it's difficult to extend kindness to someone. Amber Geiger, which I'm sure most of us have probably heard in the news over the last little bit, had finished her 13-hour shift and she was coming home from work. She was a police officer for the Dallas Police Department. And she was texting her boyfriend as she was going home, who was also a cop, and she is very tired from her day of work, and drove up into the parking structure and did not realize that she drove up one floor higher than she was supposed to to get to her apartment. So when she entered the building and went to what she thought supposedly was her apartment, she encountered a man by the name of Botham John. And she was terrified when she went into the apartment and found that man who was sitting in his own apartment, but she thought it was her apartment, and she ended up shooting him in the chest and killing him dead. 
It was only afterwards that she realized that she was in the wrong apartment. She was one floor above what she thought was her apartment, and she had killed an innocent man in his own home. Amber Geiger was found guilty of murder and convicted to ten years in prison. Now, I don't know what you thought of that situation, whether she got just or was dealt with in a just way, or whether her sentence should have been longer or shorter. I don't know what you're thinking, but that's not my point this morning. I want us to look at what happened during the victim's statement. Because during the victim's statement, both of John's brother Brent changed the entire dynamics of the court or the proceedings when he addressed Amber. This is what he said. I love you just like anyone else. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die. I personally want the best for you, and I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want for you. And the best would be for you to give your life to Christ. And after wrapping up his testimony, after he'd made his statement, Brent asked Judge Tammy Kemp if he could give Geiger a hug. He says, I don't know if it's possible, but can I give her a hug? Please. Please. And the judge said, okay. And shortly after, he and Geiger embraced each other for nearly a minute before both of them was returned to their seats. Brent then walked out of the courtroom after getting a thumbs up sign from his father according to the local paper. <clears throat> and then Judge Tammy Kemp also left. And she returned a short time later with her own personal Bible and handed it to Geiger and made reference to a passage that we're all familiar with, John 3 and verse 16. You just need a tiny mustard seed of faith, Kemp said, according to the local news. You start with that. And then Kemp and Geiger hugged. And Geiger whispered something in the judge's ear. And the judge said, you haven't done so much that you can't be forgiven. You did something bad at one moment in time. What you now do matters. And then Geiger was led away to prison. The judge came under harsh criticism. 
And if you've read anything about this story or you've listened to any uh, reports, not only did she receive a great deal of criticism, but Botham's brother also was criticized for what he did. But listen to what the prosecutor said. Everything changed in the courtroom at, at, at Brandt's testimony and the judge's actions. Those who seemed to want an eye for an eye respected Brent's wishes. There were a lot of tears, and if you look at the picture, you can see the judge is wiping tears from her eyes. But an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth changed that day in that courtroom. And I thought about all the criticism that I had read about and listened to on the internet as I worked on this sermon. And I thought, isn't that really what it's supposed to be about? Making people better. Helping people to do better. And I can't think of a more difficult situation to be in that would require kindness than this situation right here where your brother has been shot dead, he's innocent, living in his own house, in his own room, doing nothing wrong, and gets shot and murdered by a police officer. Jesus said, You have heard that it hath been said, and when he said that, he was talking about the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses. <clears throat> and it was a law designed by, designed by God to honor His holiness and to keep his, the children of Israel in line with the covenant that He had made and the promise that He extended that the Savior would come through their line. It made them distinctly different than all the nations that were around them. They had a higher standard that they were to live by God's standard. Just like members of the body of Christ, as Christians, we have a higher standard that we are to live by. That we're supposed to be different from the world. We're not to be like all the nations around us or all the culture that's around us. The children of Israel worship the one true God. The God that we read about in the Old Testament. And they were to be obedient to their relationship with Him. In other words, they were expected to obey His law, His rules that He had given. And so, when a person broke that law, stole from his neighbor, and maybe hit his neighbor in the mouth and broke out a tooth, or killed someone through anger, that meant that that individual had to restore what was stolen with interest. That if he had knocked someone's tooth out, he could have a tooth knocked out of his mouth. And that if he killed someone in anger, that it would cost him his life. That's what the law required. And that's what the law said. And that is what Jesus' audience had constantly heard during their lifetime. And so when Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39 beginning, But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law and take away thy cloak, let him have thy cloak also. 
And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that ask thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. I would imagine the people in his audience, that group that, that was there, there was a multitude of people, as it tells us there in the beginning of chapter 5 of Matthew, there was a multitude of people there, and when they heard Jesus say that, I would imagine draws dropped, and you would hear people say, what? what did He say? Is He for real? Because that's what we would hear today when people say that, because you hear this, I heard that as people were talking about what the brother said in court. Is that for real? Are we really supposed to do that? And here's the point. If people who follow Jesus are no different than anyone else, what impact are we going to have on the world around us? If we act just like everybody else that's out there in the world, out there in our culture, out there in society, if we act just like everybody else, where they do something to us, we do something back to them. They say something about us, we're going to say something even harder about them. If that's the life that we live and we claim to be a follower of Jesus, how do we make an impact on those people that are out there and need to hear the truth? And need to hear the gospel message. You see, the greatest cause of atheism in our world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny Him in the life that they live. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And the powerful truth is, Jesus and I cannot occupy the same throne. Jesus and you cannot occupy the same throne. And that's the throne of your life and my life at the same time. And that's what Jesus meant when He said, deny self and take up your cross and follow Him. And so Jesus is telling us that He's expecting you and I as Christians that we're to be different from the world. Because Jesus is the King. And as Christians, we need to realize that He is the King. And may I add, He's not just the King. He's the King of kings. And He need to be, needs to be occupying the throne of our lives. That's who we need to be following. The real Jesus. Not the one you've thought up in your own mind that agrees with everything you do and says that when you do something, oh, that's okay. You're just human. You're just like everybody else. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want you to be different because you're my children. And isn't that what we say as parents? You know, all these other children may do whatever they do, but you're my children. 
And I want you to act right. I want you to do the right thing. And when we hear Jesus say, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, I understand that He's saying, go beyond just the minimum. Don't just do the least expected. Go beyond that. Because you're a better person. Go farther than what is fair. Because Jesus, if we're following Him, is going to lead us to something that's better. And I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about the peace that passeth all understanding that you and I can have in this life because we're following Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, Jesus says that ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. That's a very simple command to follow, isn't it? You see, anyone can do that. Love people that love you, but hate those that are considered your enemies. A tax collector could do that. A atheist could do that. An unbeliever could do that. Loving my neighbor and hating my enemy, I can obey that law, and anyone can obey that law. And by the way, if you look in the Bible, at least I haven't been able to find it, where it says that I can hate my enemy. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it in the New Testament, and it doesn't say it in the Old Testament. What the people thought at that time or had been taught was that if you love your enemy, then it makes sense. Or if you love your neighbor, it makes sense that if they're not your neighbor and they're your enemy, that you can hate them. But that's not what Jesus is telling us. And I think that that's why many times the Pharisees wanted a specific definition of who their neighbor was. You have your Bible, turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And this is Jesus speaking. He says, He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Notice that when he quoted the Scripture, he didn't put that hate your enemy on there. But obviously that seemed to be something that he must have practiced. And so Jesus goes on, beginning in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10, and says, And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jericho to Jerusalem, or from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was in the place, came and looked upon him and passed by on the other side. 
But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pieces of pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee." Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Here we find a story that Jesus tells. And Jesus is pointing out that there's two people that walk by, a Levite and a priest, and they passed by and the Good Samaritan stopped and he went in and he helped. Now you would expect a Levite and a priest to help, but they did not do what they should have done. And many times we may not do what we're supposed to do. Why? Because we're not looking at that individual as a neighbor. We're looking at it as somebody we don't care about. And that's what the Levite and the priest were basically saying by their actions. But the Good Samaritan stopped. He got down off of his beast. Some version says it was a donkey. So he got off of his donkey and he went down in that ditch and he helped that individual that was half dead. You would not expect in that culture for a Samaritan to stop and help an individual like this. But Jesus says, who's your neighbor? Who was the neighbor? The lawyer knew the answer to that question, and many times we know the answer to the question in our own lives. Even if it's your enemy, even if it's the person that killed your brother, we still have an opportunity to show kindness, even when it's hard. You see, mercy that is shown and kindness that is extended is something that Jesus expects us to do. How do I know that? Because Jesus told that individual to go and do thou likewise. You go and you show mercy. You show kindness. You show compassion. And as we've been discussing in our Bible class, All of those are tied together. Because when you love someone, it's easy to show mercy. When you love someone, it's easy to extend forgiveness. When you love someone, it's easy to be kind. When you love someone, all of those things are tied together by that bondage, by that bond of of love. You see, showing kindness when it's difficult shuts this world up. Because those that are filled with hatred realize they've seen something that they weren't expecting. And when you get off your donkey and you go down in that ditch and help your enemy, he quiets the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth group. And when you extend that hug 
to your brother's killer and give her the Word of God, that stands out in our world. It says something about us. And by the way, that family was affiliated with the church. Because when people see that, it's move, it moves them because it's moved our words of faith to our actions. And the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. So we can say that we believe what Jesus says. The question is, do we practice it? Do we put it into action in our own lives? Because Jesus has some very tough questions that He asks. Listen to what He says. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Isn't it easy to love people that love you back? Isn't it easy to help people that you know love you and they're going to help you and they're going to do everything for you? It's easy to love those type of people. And Jesus says, if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? So if we say hi to each other and that's it, if we don't extend a welcome to people that we may not know, if we can't extend a smile as we walk down the road, down the road to someone that we may not even know their name, they may look angry, they may look mean, they may look awful. But what kind of greeting do we extend to them? You see, it's easy to extend a greeting, a friendship to someone that's going to give that back. Because that's kind of the way our society is. You pat my back, I'll pat yours. You help me, I'll help you. But Jesus says, I want you to go beyond that. It's easy to greet those that you know. It's easy to love those that love you back. But listen to what He says next. Verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You see, if we claim to follow the real Jesus and are no different than anyone else, we're not going to have an impact on the world for Christ. And how many times have we heard that little voice in our head say, get off your donkey and help that individual. Extend that hug to that individual. Show that person that's done harm to you or to your family that you love them and you care for them. And you know they have a soul that needs to be saved. And speak gently to them. And you can listen to this individual's words on, on the internet. You could tell he was nervous because there was a group of people outside protesting. I'm sure they didn't like what he had to say. But I think that you can see what showing mercy and love and kindness can do to a situation like that. And so Jesus mentions three things, which all start with the letter P. Persecution, prayer, 
and perfection. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44, he said, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Praying for our persecutors, people that are hurting us, people that are saying things against us, that's not easy to do. It goes against everything that we feel like doing. Because our emotions are telling us that that individual that's hurting us is doing evil to us. They're mean and they're hateful. And they're our enemy. And so maybe we're tempted to pray, Lord, do something bad to them. Because we want them to suffer. But that's not what Jesus is telling us to do. And if we're following Him, He doesn't expect us to do that. He expects us to pray for Him. To love our enemies. To bless them that curse you. To do good to them that hate you. And to pray for them which despitefully use you. Why? So that we may be the children of our Father. which is in heaven. Jesus says something amazing here in our text. He tells us that God sends a Son, causes it to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And the power of that statement is that He loves those who love Him and those who don't. He's good to those that deserve it and He's good to those that do not deserve it. And we don't deserve it ourselves. But yet God has extended His love, His goodness to us. You see, God is good and God is righteous. And if we use that as a filter in our prayers for our persecutors, it might not change them. But it may change us. I'm not talking about justifying their evil or their meanness. It's okay to speak the truth. It's okay to point out that what they're doing is wrong. It's, not, it, it's okay to say, you need to change your ways. You need to change your life. But what, I remember, but what if I remember all the times that I needed God, His kindness, when I wasn't so nice, and I was thoughtful or thoughtless, and I was unkind? What if I remember in my prayers all of God's goodness to me when I didn't deserve it? And use that as a springboard to pray for people who persecute me. And I may not think they deserve it. What if I pray with a heart of hope instead of a heart of hate? What if my prayer is, God... 
Make me more like you. God, help me to be kind. Help me to greet and to love those who give me the cold shoulder. Help me, God, to love my enemies because You loved me when I was unjust and I was not kind. And maybe that prayer in my persecution will let me become perfect like Jesus wants us to be. You see, be ye therefore perfect, even therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. What's that mean? When I hear those words, I look at that as one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Because a lot of times when we look at the hard sayings of Jesus, that's not one of them that people want to talk about. But He's telling us to be perfect like God. And I look at that and I say, me? Be perfect like God? When I look at my own life and I realize that I'm flawed, that I'm fallible, that I sin, and I say, how can I be perfect? And before you shout amen to that, look in the mirror. Because the same is true about every one of us. Every one of us is flawed. Every one of us is fallible. Every one of us is guilty of sin. And the word Jesus uses here for perfect is a Greek word which means complete or finished. And it's used some 18, 19 times in the New Testament. But one of the best examples of what it's saying is when Jesus is dealing with that rich young ruler that I mentioned earlier in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21. When He asks him or tells him to go and sell his possessions and give the money to the poor, and then he would be perfect. Same word that's used there is the word that's used by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And that's the one thing that he lacked in being perfect, being complete. Go sell your stuff and give the money to the poor. And he walked away incomplete because he had a lot of stuff. Jesus is simply saying, if you want to be complete, if you want to be a finished Christian, if you want to be like our Heavenly Father, then love like He's telling us to love here. Show kindness when it's difficult to show kindness. Show kindness when the world is expecting you to get revenge or to get even. Show kindness by saying the nice thing. By introducing the Gospel of Christ to individuals that need to hear that message. Why? Because their soul's in jeopardy. Be kind. That's what Jesus wants us to be. And all of that is held together with love. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, we see Jesus 
practices exactly what we're talking about because we can look at that and we say, really, in a situation where it's difficult to forgive, Jesus wants us to do that? He wants us to extend kindness? Well, think about what happened. When He was being nailed to the cross, what did He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As I mentioned in Bible class, when He was in the garden and they came to arrest Him, a mob of people come. Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off someone's ear. And Jesus is kind enough to pick up that ear and put it back on. So does Jesus know what we're going through or what we could go through? I believe He does. And Jesus practiced what He preached. Are we following the real Jesus? That's the question that I ask you this morning. Jesus died so that you and I could have the forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven with Him in the hereafter. And He tells us that if we will believe and be buried with Him in baptism, we can have our sins washed away by His precious blood that was shed on that cross. And so this morning, we would invite you to do that. We have clothes, we have water, we have everything that's ready so that you can be baptized into Christ and have your sins blotted out and remembered against you no more. And walk in the light as we continue in this life being faithful to our Lord. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, we would encourage you to make that decision and do so. Come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.